0: not much better than seeing somebody get baptized and if you were with us last week we got that twenty thousand dollar grant to keep the finding hope center open there's more stuff that's evolving with that that is just life-changing i heard a one time uh, somebody asked a preacher he pastored this little country church and god just seemed to be doing all of this amazing stuff through them they were planting churches people were getting saved so much of god's activity and the guy told him he said you're just this little dot on the map like why is god doing so much with your church, and I'll never forget that preacher's response. True story. He looked back at the guy, and he said, God can do a lot with a dot. (laughs) I was like, come on, man. I just feel like that's our story. We use this idea. We're living in the middle of a miracle, and that is so, so true you have a copy of God's Word, Uh, we are continuing our series, Summer in the Psalms. Psalm chapter 23 is where we're going to be today, so if you want to turn your Bible there, Psalm chapter 23, I want to catch you up on this too. So we did our bag hunger thing today after service right outside about five minutes after. Myself and our three interns are getting pied because my team lost bag hunger, collected 1,083 items for Stowe Mission down on Parsons Avenue, but here was the cooler part. So that was a collective effort of multiple churches that participated in that food drive. We won. Like, of all of the churches in Columbus that participated, Living Hope Columbus won. And so we're going to get this cool little plaque that's like, you're amazing, thanks for donating food or something. Uh, But just another one of those little things where it's like, This is just awesome, and we get to be a part of this. And even if it's canned goods, God's activity is still so, so present here. Uh, It just makes me want to throw a fit. So stand with me in honor of reading God's Word, Psalm chapter 23. We're going to read all of the verses in this chapter. If you were with us early 2020, we spent six weeks on Psalm 23, uh, but we're going to cover six weeks in one week today, all right? God's Word says this, the Lord is my shepherd, I have what I need He lets me lie down in green pastures, and he leads me beside quiet waters. He renews my life. He leads me along the right paths for his namesake. Even when I go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me. In the presence of my enemies, you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Last verse, only goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord as long as I live. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. God, thank you for, uh, Lord, us being able to celebrate another friend coming to know Jesus and choosing to follow him. God, I pray now as we walk through these verses of Scripture together this morning that your Spirit would teach us and guide us, mold us, and shape us into the likeness of Jesus today. Would you give us ears that we need to hear from you through your word, hearts to receive your word, and, and hands and feet to live out the very truths that we encounter in your word today as we walk with Jesus the rest of our week? It's in your name we pray these things. Amen. You may be seated. We've looked at so many different types of psalms over these last few weeks, and today is going what's known as a psalm of. Confidence, And to really think through this, I want to ask us an important question that I think is um, really pivotal and applicable to our current situation as a church, as a nation, in so many different ways. But the question is this, where do you place your confidence? Where do you place your confidence? Or maybe we could shift that question a little bit and ask it a little bit differently. In who or in what do you place your confidence? As I've been thinking about that question this past seven days, I was reminded sometimes the way God works in my life is the things that we're going to be talking about in His Word, He reminds me through little simple scenarios in my own life personally. And to answer that question in who or what do I place my confidence, God reminded me what my answer should be through a broken toilet. Now, this is a lighthearted story. If you know me, my life doesn't tend to go the way that it should and so a week ago on Monday, I got a call from my sweet wife, Elizabeth, and, hey, how's your day going? Things are good. What'd you do today? Oh, this, that, and the other. And She said, oh, by the way, the toilet's broken. Now, I don't know about you, fellas, but often my wife will call me with a dire situation like that, like the toilet doesn't work, and I'm like, well, what do you want me to do about it? She's like, well, I don't know. I just had to tell you. Well, there's nothing I can do about it right now. Like, I don't know. Why did you call and tell me that? I can't fix the broken toilet because I'm busy working right now. Why well, I just need to tell you the toilet was broken. And so I got home that night, and I had resolved in my mind that I was not going to call a plumber. Now, I do not claim, and you all know this, I don't claim to be a handyman. Um, I'm not. That's why I have Pastor Joe with me. I I can't fix things. I can't build things. I can't repair things. I'm I'm not a handyman in any way, shape, or form. But I determined I was going to fix this toilet. So I got on YouTube, I got home, I pulled out all the internal guts of the toilet, I disconnected the water line, turned the water off first, don't worry. Disconnected the water line, I was gonna replace everything on this. I went to the store, I bought all new parts, all new pieces, spent a whole $30. I was saving money at this point. I followed the directions to a T. I installed everything the way that you're supposed to, did all the seals, hooked up the water line, went downstairs, turned the water on at the main valve. I was literally holding on to the toilet so I could reach under and turn the water on. And as immediately when I turned the water on to the toilet, can you guess what happened to Aaron? Literally all over my face, toilet water. And I learned in that moment, and it's a simple lighthearted story, but I learned in that moment this simple thing. Number one, I needed to call a plumber. Number two, Sometimes we're way too confident in ourselves, aren't we? Sometimes we're way too confident in our own abilities. We're way too confident on what we can accomplish, what we think we can do in our lives. Way too confident in our stuff, in our abilities, in our performance. And life just has a way. I think sometimes it's Jesus just kind of maneuvering things for us. Sometimes it's just life in general. where We're reminded that we're way too confident in ourselves. And Psalm 23 points us to this truth this morning. Don't forget as a Jesus follower that you're to be completely dependent upon him. You're not in control of as much as you think you are. So much of what we like to control, we like to be self-dependent. Life just has a way. Jesus has a way sometimes of reminding us you're really not as in control as you like to think you really are. Make sure you place your confidence in Jesus. This simple phrase we've looked at over the past several weeks in the Psalms has been this. The Bible is God talking to us. Yet in the Psalms, you and I learn how to talk to God. And in Psalm 23 here, this Psalm that we're revisiting this morning, we see David offering up this prayer to God, where he expresses his confidence in his Creator. That David is expressing his confidence in Yahweh, and he's reminding himself, and us included, Not to be too self-dependent, but to make sure we're completely dependent upon our God. And what I love about this psalm is it lines up so well with the rest of David's life. Because if you read the story of David in the Old Testament, you, you see how this psalm was born from a place of experience. These were things that David had experienced and walked through with his God. And now he's offering up this prayer again to God to remind his heart I'm not as confident in myself. Like, I shouldn't be. I need to be totally dependent upon God. Place my complete confidence in Him. Notice how he starts if you're a note taker. The first one is this. David places his confidence in God's care. His confidence in God's care. He starts off in verse 1. Look at what he said again. He says, The Lord is my shepherd. There's two significant things in those five words that I don't want us to miss, because if, if we miss this part of verse one, we're going to misunderstand the rest of the psalm. First is this. David indicates right there that the Lord was his shepherd, my shepherd, personal pronoun. David had a relationship with his God. If you notice, if you read through this psalm, there's not one plural pronoun in this entirety of this psalm. All six verses, not one plural pronoun no use of we they or us everything is is personal david's offering a very personal prayer to god from why from that position of a personal relationship 19 times he uses personal pronouns to describe this relationship that he had with his god me i my david knew his god and god intimately knew david friends if we don't get that right we don't understand the rest of this psalm Let's make sure we're on the same page here. Um, sin separates us from God, but God in his sovereignty provides a Messiah named Jesus. These guys lived before the cross. We live after the cross. We're looking to the same Messiah. The, the, the sin separates. Messiah saves. Jesus, when he died on the cross, took my sin debt and your sin debt upon himself. And when we repent of our sin and put our faith in Jesus, like we saw Diamond do today, the Bible says we can have that restored relationship with the God of the universe. David had a relationship with his God. He was looking forward to a Messiah named Jesus. Notice the second thing in that phrase, the Lord is my shepherd. David had a personal dependence upon God. What's he doing this whole psalm? He's pulling from this shepherd imagery. I love that. I told the story back in 2020 when I was interviewing for a pastor position in Marysville years ago at the Living Hope that many of us came from. Um, I remember when I was doing that interview, that this one guy raised his hand at the end of my interview. He said, "Pastor, I got a question for you. So, what's that?" He said, "Have you ever considered being a shepherd?" What? He's like, I was like, "You mean?" I was like, "I've I've got like five, years, six years of experience in pastoring, like before I came here." He's like, "No, no, no. Um, have you ever considered going and shepherding sheep in a field for a year before you actually come and be one of the pastors at this church?" No. Haven't, won't, weird, not going to happen. <laughs> That's kind of thing. So when, when, what David's doing here, I don't, I don't have experience as a shepherd, but what's David doing here? Um, he's pulling from this shepherd imagery something that he was very familiar with. And he calls God his shepherd. Why is that significant? Because the role of a shepherd was this, comfort, protection, and provision for their sheep. David knew that because he had a relationship with his God, that he could be fully dependent on Upon him, and since those two things are true, look at the second half of verse uh, chapter twenty-three, verse one. What, what does he start with now? The Lord is my shepherd; I have what I need. Depending on what kind of Bible translation you're reading, your Bible might say something like this: "The Lord is my shepherd; I shall not want." Maybe it says, "The, the Lord is my shepherd; I shall not desire." Maybe it says, "The, the Lord is my shepherd; there's there's nothing that I lack." no matter how we translate that, let's ask a very important question. Is that true? If you have a personal relationship with the God of the universe this morning, is it true that there's nothing that you lack? It sure doesn't feel like it sometimes, does it? it sure doesn't feel like, I know some of the situations some of you all are enduring and that you're having to walk through right now, sometimes it just doesn't feel like I lack nothing. It sure doesn't feel like it often, but it's true nonetheless. It's kind of hard to wrap our minds around this. So let me give you a little phrase here um, that I think is so important to understand this phrase. I have what I need. I, I lack nothing. There's nothing that I desire. If God is your shepherd, you have a personal relationship with the God of the universe. Hear me. You have everything that you need in this moment to live for him. That's what David's pointing us to. If God is your shepherd... You have everything you need in this moment to live for Him. And that's the goal of the Christian life, to live for the the glory of Jesus. If He's your shepherd, you, you have everything that you need. Even in the moments where maybe it feels like you're lacking, maybe you're wondering, well, it sure seems like I have a lot of needs around me. Lean into the truth of God's word. God in his sovereignty declares over you, no, 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 you have everything you need in this moment to rightly and fully live for him. And then David goes on in verse two to the specifics of how God met his needs. Like watch this, verse two, that that his shepherd in verse one lets me lie down in, in green pastures. He leads me besides still waters. Notice what's going on here in verse 2. Now we're introduced to a a new element of God's care for his kids, right? It's it's not just God is my shepherd, I I lack nothing. Now there's a new element that's found in the shepherd's presence, right? The the care of the shepherd is also found in his presence. Where does the shepherd lead his sheep here in verse 2? What's David say? Green pastures, quiet waters. We we talked about this a couple years ago. Sheep are naturally skittish creatures, I told you the story of a shepherd one time that said a chihuahua got loose in his his sheep field and all the sheep just just stampeded like crazy. They were gone because the chihuahua came around. Another person said that if you take a, a sheep and you scare it, that they just fall over and play dead. Like they're just done. They're terrified. Sheep are naturally skittish creatures. So what is it about the green pastures and quiet waters that allows them to be at peace? The presence of their shepherd the Lord is their shepherd, and it's in his presence that they find peace. It's not the environment in which they find themselves that bring peace. Because listen to me, friends, the environments that which we find ourselves, they will always bring temporary peace. Look at what's going on around us right now. No matter where you stand on which end of the political spectrum, it doesn't matter. Nobody's at peace unless you know that the Lord is your shepherd unless you know that he cares for you and it's in his presence that you can find peace. Because the environments may be shifting and the winds may be swirling, but uh, listen to me, in the presence of the shepherd is where we find peace because it's in his presence that we know he cares for us. Point number two, if you write this stuff down, confidence in God's calling. Confidence in in God's calling. When we talk about God's calling here that David is referring to, he's referring to the, the guidance that God gives his life. Look at verse 23, verse 3, the first part. It says that he renews my life. If you were to literally interpret that there, that would actually say he leads me to repentance. The picture that David's painting for us here in this prayer offered to God is a, a sheep that followed his shepherd to these green pastures in these quiet waters. But after he had been there in the presence of his shepherd, what does that sheep have a natural tendency to do? To wander away from the fold where the rest of the sheep are. He's in the green pastures in the quiet waters, but instead he begins to wander off and to do his own thing. But what does the shepherd do? What does the shepherd do? Look at the next part of that verse. What does the shepherd do? He leads me along right paths for his namesake. The sheep wanders, but the the shepherd brings him back to that right path again. The sheep goes away from the fold, but the shepherd brings him back to that right path. It's a picture of repentance. Because I don't know about you, how many of us say, yes, the Lord is my shepherd, and I'm walking with him, and I'm following him, but then I veer off on my own way and do my own thing. Anybody else? It's only like 1045, and that's me today already. Right? Right? And we walk away from the shepherd, but the shepherd in this loving care and grace through the word of God and the spirit of God, what does he do? He says, no, 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 come back here. Come on. Nope, nope, you're not supposed to be over there. Let's, let's get back on the right path. The shepherd draws our hearts to repentance where we have to be dependent upon him and his care and his calling upon our lives again. Friends, don't be a stubborn follower of Jesus where we claim to know more than the shepherd does. We don't trust his care and provision over your life. But then look at the transition that happens here in, in verse 4. In verses 1 through 3 of Proverbs 23, David refers to God in the third person, he. He uses he over and over, third person. But in verse 4, when the valley of the shadow of death is introduced, this is significant, a crisis moment occurs. David goes from third person to second person. Instead of God being he, now he becomes you. David gets even more personal with God. Instead of talking about God, now in verse 4, he's talking to God. What's the lesson for us? You ready? Crisis often will form a deeper relationship with our Heavenly Father. So many of us, I want to go deeper with the Lord. I want to know Him more. I want to have a deeper relationship with Jesus. Be ready for crisis to be in front of that deeper relationship. God in his sovereignty uses the hard times, the hard things, those difficult seasons, the valleys of the shadow of death to drive us to a deeper level of intimacy with him. Look at verse four, the first part. David says, even even when I go through the darkest valley, even when I go through the darkest valley. Notice it doesn't say if, it's an even when type thing. You ready for this? The shepherd guides him back on the right path, leads me to repentance. And then where do they go? Right there in verse four, the dark valley. You ready? This is so important. The right path will often include the dark valley. The right path in which God leads you on may and often will include the dark valley. Don't run from it. Go through it with him. That's so important, friends. we got to understand that as followers of Jesus. Jesus' call on your life is not a life of ease and comfort. If any preacher or Christian tries to sell you that, it's garbage. Throw it away and run. Jesus didn't offer the life of ease and comfort, health, wealth, all that junk, throw it away and run. What's he tell us in verse 4? Lead him along right paths, and the right path is going to include sometimes the dark valley. The call to follow Jesus will often include the darkest valley. I'm reminded of what Peter said in 1 Peter 4, verse 12. He said, don't be surprised when the fiery ordeal comes to test you as if something unusual were happening. Sometimes life falls apart around us and we're like, why me? Why did this happen? What did I do wrong? And God's in heaven going, what are you talking about? What did you do? Trust me in the process. Sometimes it's not anything that you did. Sometimes it's just the way things are and you need to walk in the presence of your shepherd through the dark valley. Sometimes it's going to be part of your journey. And I know I say that from a position. I know some of you are in dark valleys, just got out of dark valleys, or you might be like getting ready to walk in one and you know that it's on your horizon. Uh, I'm sorry. And, and my heart has, has ached with so many of you because you're, you're in the midst of or you've just exited or you're going into these dark valleys. And I can't reconcile for you completely why God had that happen or why he allowed that to happen to you. But here's what I, I do know from the authority of God's word. You can trust him. He's your shepherd. And the shepherd, we know, provides comfort, provision, and care for his sheep, even in the dark valley. How do I know this? Look at the second part of verse 4. David says, Lord, I'm in this dark valley. Lord, we're in that valley of shadow of death. And he says, I don't fear danger. Now, it's not because David's some macho man. He was a macho man. Imagine me, a little bit bigger, a little bit stronger, but pretty close to what you see today. All right? That's free. I didn't even write that down. Somebody needs to tweet that later. All right. David was a macho man. He, he was. He was a tough guy. But when he's in the valley of the shadow of death, he doesn't say, I don't fear danger because, man, look at me. You can't, can't touch this, right? I should dance. I'm not going to do that. Why didn't he fear danger? This is, oh, my gosh. Five words. For you are with me. He's in the valley of the shadow of death, but who's with him? The shepherd goodness, friends, God's not absent in your valley. He didn't place you there and step back and go figure it out on your own. No, when you go into it, he's there with you. The presence of the shepherd is found in the dark valley with you. That's why David doesn't fear because it's the same shepherd in verse 1 and the same shepherd in verse 2 that took him to the green pastures and the quiet waters that's also with him in the dark valley. Uh, when I, I think of that and I try to wrap my finite brain around that, I, I think of my nine-year-old daughter, Sophia. And last year, we got to go to the Magic Kingdom down in Florida. It was awesome. One of my favorite rides there, don't judge me, is the Haunted Mansion. I, I just—I love. I, it's one of the most fun rides in the world for me. It's just some lighthearted, scary stuff. And when you walk into to that first room, if you've ever experienced that, you're in kind of this octagon-shaped room and you're stuffed in there. We used to be stuffed in there with a whole bunch of people. And then what happens is you're, you're all standing shoulder to shoulder, and then they turn all the lights off. It's totally dark. And you start to hear, like, these voices talking in the midst of the darkness. And I can remember standing there with Sophia in February of 2020, and I'm standing there, and she's next to me. And the moment that the lights turned off, you know what my eight-year-old daughter at the time did? She clings to the side of my arm and tucks herself right up against my rib. And what did I say to her? Baby, you're fine. Daddy's here. She was scared in the moment. But do you know why she didn't fully fear? Because I was there with her in the darkness. That's, that's Psalm 23:4 here. God is with us in those dark valleys. But, but notice what happens here. There, there's two implements of care that God has for us at the end of verse 4. David says, I don't fear danger because you're with me. But then there's a comfort associated with this. You ready? For your rod and your staff, what do they do? They comfort me in the dark valley. The the rod was simply, imagine like a Flintstone club almost that Fred Flintstone used to carry. It was this tool that shepherds would use to kind of tap the sheep on the head to correct them if they were veering off course or needed correction, just this little tap on the top of their head. The staff was that long stick that maybe you've seen versions of with Shepherd to, to reach out and to guide that sheep back to that right path where they're supposed to be. And what does David say? It's your rod and your staff that bring comfort to me. For us, this side of the cross, it's a picture of the word of God and the spirit of God. The, the God will use the Word of God to kind of tap me on top of the head. Aaron, knock it off. Stay on this path. Quit it. What are you doing? Follow me. Stay on that right path. He'll use the Spirit of God to, to guide me back to where He wants me, back onto that right path. Both gifts given to us by Jesus to keep us close to Him in the dark valleys. Let me give you one more truth here, and we're going to go to point number three. When you're in that dark valley, don't run from the shepherd, run to the shepherd. I do this too much, and I know you do too. I enter the dark valley, and rather than run to my shepherd, what do I do? I run from him trying to get out. But David says, no, no, no. If we're confident in our God, we run to him, and we tuck ourselves up under his side, and we trust him because it's with him that we find peace and that we find comfort. Don't run from him in the dark valley. Point number three, and we're almost done, confidence in God's commitment confidence in God's commitment. There's some confusion here in these last couple of verses, exactly what David meant by verses 5 and 6 in this psalm. A lot of imagery used here, but just imagine with me for a second, David in the dark valley. uh, He seems to indicate here in verse 5 that enemies had surrounded him, but even though they're surrounded, he's before the king's table. It's almost like the shepherd takes a shift. He goes from the shepherd to the warrior king. That's our Jesus, isn't it? He comes in like a shepherd. He'll come back as the warrior king. That's good news. But he's in this dark valley, surrounded by enemies, broken, uh, maybe beaten, defeated in some capacity, yet he's not fearful. Why? Because he has his shepherd. That's a, that's a good lesson for us. You may be in the dark valley. It doesn't mean the dark valley's not going to hurt, but you're in the presence of your shepherd, so it's still okay. That's important for us to understand. But then what does the shepherd do in verse 5? He says that you anoint my head with oil. Oil was an anointing agent often used to soothe uh, wounds of warriors who were in battle. This side of the cross, what's it referencing for us? It's the Spirit of God. That is Jesus' followers this side of the cross that we are indwelt by the Spirit of God to refresh us and comfort us in the midst of the dark valleys. Look at what what Jesus said in John chapter 14, 26. But the, the counselor, your Bible might say, the comforter. That's a good translation. The Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything that I've told you. In the dark valley, we have the Spirit of God to comfort us and refresh us in the midst of the battle. But notice the last thing, and this is we'll, we'll close with this. He says, you anoint my head with oil, but what also happens, my cup overflows. Again, there's so many ways that people interpret this. I, I think one of, this way is probably one of the better ways. Imagine this picture of God the Father with with two cups in His hands. One is a cup of blessing, one is a cup of wrath or cursing. We see both of those found throughout the Scriptures. The cup of blessing is always meant for those who are right in the eyes of God, who are right in the sight of God. It's it's blessing that He wants to bestow on those who are His. But then you also see in the Scriptures the the cup that is meant for Jesus' enemies those who are not right in his eyes, the cup of cursing and the cup of God's wrath. And God has these two cups that he's going to pour out upon the earth. And it would make sense that the cup of blessing would only go to Jesus. Jesus is is the only perfect, righteous son of God. He's the only one that deserves God's blessing. And you and I should be recipients of God's wrath and curse. Why? Because we're enemies of God, separated from him, by our sin we've turned away from him as Romans chapter 5 verse 10 but what does the gospel say the gospel says a great exchange takes place then on the cross jesus took the cup of god's wrath upon himself remember what jesus said in his final prayer lord if you take this cup from me please if there's any way else but your will be done And on that cross, the Bible teaches that Jesus took the cup of God's wrath that he didn't deserve so that we could be recipients of the cup of God's blessing that we don't deserve. It's a great exchange that takes place. And because Jesus endured the wrath of God, the cup of God's wrath, what happens now for you and me if the Lord is my shepherd? I get the overflowing cup of God's blessing the unending goodness of God's love, faithful love for me that we saw last week um, given to me. Look at verse 6. Only goodness and faithful love, that was our psalm last week, is going to pursue me. Why? Because I'm a recipient of God's, of God's cup of blessing, and I'm going to dwell in the house of the Lord as long as I live. Close with this thought. Friends, God cares for you. He calls you. He's, he's guiding you. And this side of the cross, understand, He is fully committed to you. His faithful love is for you you can trust Him. Let's not place our confidence in ourselves, but place our confidence in our Jesus, our shepherd, the one that cares for us, and He's committed to us, and He loves us beyond belief. And if you don't know Jesus this morning, can I I tell you that, that God wants to be your shepherd today? That, that sin has separated us from God. It's created this chasm between us and God. But because of the finished work of Jesus on the cross, that my sin and your sin can be dealt with and paid for. And we have a restored relationship with God where he becomes our shepherd again. And if you've never done that, August 15th of 2021, I'm going to tell you it's probably the best day to do it. It's the best day to do it. Let me pray for us. God. Thank you for your word for Psalm 23. Lord, for speaking to us, for changing our hearts, molding us and shaping us into the likeness of Jesus. God, we place so much confidence in ourselves. We need to trust Jesus. God, would you remind our hearts today of how much you care for us and how much we can trust you because you are our shepherd. God, we love you. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray these things. Amen.